Computer, initialize Holosuite. It's all right, number one. I came here to find safety. But one is never safe from the past. Please, sir, someone's after me. I have an appointment. Your name, please, sir? Picard. P-I-C-A-R-D. It's nice to see you up and around again. Have an obligation to investigate. There is no we, Jean-Luc. Admiral, I am standing up for the Federation, for what it should still represent. This is no longer your house, Jean-Luc. Go home. I have to help her. You really want to go back out into the cold? More than ever. I have a plan. Another top secret, unauthorized rescue mission. This is everything that ever mattered to me. I'm going with you. I need your skill and your courage. The past is written. <laughs> but we are left to write the future. Welcome to Beyond Farpoint, a podcast in which we chat about everything from Star Trek The Next Generation. We're your hosts, Baz Green and Jeff Owen. Hi Jeff, how are you? Still full of your amazing Christmas burger from lunch? Oh, do you know what? I I could I think I'm still passing out from that burger. That was really, really <laughs> nice. I mean I know this this show is uh, gonna be going out in January, but that was an amazing Christmas burger, because we're recording this in November. It was. It was. I'm not psychic. We did actually meet up for lunch. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> up, so yeah. <laughs> yes. It was. It was really nice. Yeah. It was, it was good to kind of catch up, but also some good food too. So yeah, as you said, yeah. Obviously, we record generally a month or two in advance. So when this episode goes out, it will be January 2022. So happy new year to our listeners. Yeah, I think 2021 was better than 2020. I, I think we're beyond far point as well. I think it's pretty fair to say, Jeff, that we're pretty chuffed with how the podcast has gone so far. Yes, really enjoyed by doing this. We've got some uh, some nice plans coming up for next few shows, actually, because uh, that's one of the reasons we met for lunch today was just basically to, to bash out our 2022 and uh, plan some of the next few shows that you're going to be hearing. Yes, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, obviously, we've come up for a year now. We launched our teaser back in March 2021. Now as we enter 2022, we're already on our 10th episode. So yeah, you said we've got some pretty great stuff coming up which we'll uh, talk about in coming episodes so why are we here well with star trek picard season two airing this spring we thought we would go almost as far beyond far point like i did there as, as we could go and revisit the first season of star trek picards so jeff what were your thoughts on season one when it aired originally i i've got to be honest i really enjoyed it i know uh, the show's had its um detractors let's say they they felt that it wasn't star trek the next generation and of course it wasn't you know picard's 25 years older to be sort of along the lines of when we picked up with kirk during the movies from the original series we saw a much older wiser 
Kirk than we saw in obviously the original series, and that's kind of what we got with mm. Picard. I thought because um, obviously the Next Generation movies were filmed almost immediately after Star Trek: The Next Generation had finished, so we didn't really see Picard and the crew of the Enterprise many years later and that's what we're getting the chance to do now which i think is fantastic yeah absolutely it almost feels like picard seasons one two three and whatever comes beyond that it's kind of looking at that same time frame that we looked at with kirk and spock and everyone in the movies you're right i mean they, they, they literally mm. i mean generations is literally the year after all the things and or even months even yeah and yeah i think even Insurrection, the third Next Generation movie, happens during the seventh season of DS9. So, you know, they're quite tightly spaced together. So there isn't really uh, that much time to really develop the characters in film. We actually said in our first contact podcast, didn't we, that actually, whereas the Kirk and his crew, certainly Kirk, Spock, McCoy, to an extent, they uh, evolved and they changed and they had some character journeys in the movies. We said that actually we don't really think the Next Gen cast really got that. They were they were big the movies, but... They were big episodes, really, you know, of varying degrees of success. So, yeah, it's nice to kind of um, see Picard, you know, many, many year, decades a year later and uh, kind of and see where he goes. And it's a very different, I think, where you had Kirk being wiser. I think this is, this is almost the opposite of Picard. Picard always was that kind of wiser, morally right character you know courageous and intelligent and he he has all that still but also he is frailer as well and you know he's been broken by some experiences as well so mm. yeah i i really enjoyed it too i, I think expectations were massively high and and you know there were some elements that always going to disappoint you know i do think it kept the momentum across 10 episodes you know for the, for the most part i think there's a dip in the middle we'll get we'll get into that as well but yeah I really admired that it's attempted to tell a new story with Picard. You know, I think it balanced nostalgia, but it also didn't feel like a very much delayed season eight of the next gen, as you said. Mm, yeah, exactly. Do you remember uh, as well when the announcement was made? It came out of Star Trek mm. Las Vegas, I think, in 2017, I want to say. No, 2018, because it took them about 18 months for it to actually appear yeah. on air. And I remember seeing someone post it on Twitter saying that Patrick Stewart's just made a surprise appearance at Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, they brought him on stage and they were saying, we're going to be doing a series about Picard. And obviously, they didn't know what it was going to be called back then. Um, they said, it's, this is going to be Picard many years later. And from the videos I've seen, the crowd just goes mm. absolutely nuts. And that was pretty much my reaction yeah. as well when I heard this news come out. Uh, first thing I did was I sent a text to two of my mates who I've known as Star Trek fans since the 90s. And I said, there's going to be a Patrick Stewart, uh, sorry, there's going to be a Picard series just announced at STLV. And they went completely nuts as well. And, uh, you know, show, show me a fan that didn't get excited by this. Well, absolutely. I, I think there's still that level of excitement now in, in, a, in a way, even though I think some people were disappointed mm. with Picard because it is telling the story really not just of Picard, but really of the next gen universe of Star Trek years on, you know, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much that can be told. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that, you know, whether Picard goes beyond three seasons or not, it might sort of spin off into other stories. You know, we've already seen some of Seven Nine's story, you know, some of the DS9 cast as well. You know, we, we're seeing what the Federation, well, 
sort of what the Federation is like. You know, they're kind of very much out of the story for the most part. But, mm. you know, we're seeing what the Alpha and Beta Quadrants look like 30 years on, really. And it, it's, a, it's kind of quite a different landscape in, in some respects. So there's um, a real opportunity to tell other stories you know and there's been a the much touted Janeway and Cisco thing well whether they happen or not I, I don't know but I think there's still there's definitely potential there to bring back some older characters while bringing new characters well you know characters like Raffi and Rios are great characters and I'm really looking forward to seeing particularly Raffi I think she's one of my favorite characters in kind of modern Star Trek and I'm quite excited to sort of see where they go and so it's got a nice balance. Obviously, we've only got one season so far, but where would you rank so Picard? Far. Yeah, so far. Yeah, so <laughs> as as it comes out in January, I don't think Picard season two is going to be uh, be out. I think it's going to be some point in the spring. But uh... Uh, they said February. Oh, okay, so hopefully not too long from where this is airing. Then, so we've only got one season so far. But where would you mm-hmm. rank Star Trek Picard in the modern batch of Star Trek TV shows? Uh, we sort of had this chat earlier on. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for me, Lower Decks is my favourite new era Star Trek series. But you've got Discovery and Picard shortly afterwards. And officially, we haven't seen Prodigy yet, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it, it's sort of joint second... Third in my current, uh, very close third, I should say, in my in the new era of Star Trek for me. But that isn't to say it's like number three or four, and it's like second worst because mm-hmm. I always think that you know you've got they're always very high for me. So you've got yeah. um, even if I ranked all of the series together, it's it's more sort of like you've got number one, which is Deep Space Nine. Number two, which would be Lower Decks. Number three would be pretty much everything else within mm. about 5% scoring. Yeah. And then you go down to the animated series, which is really <laughs> on the bottom. But, <laughs> um, but, yeah, just because it's third out of fourth on my list doesn't mean I don't like it. I think it's great. Mm. It's just Discovery's had three seasons of Legend built up on it so far, and Lower Decks is just funny and brilliant and nostalgic and everything. So. Absolutely. I, I adore Lower Decks. It's so much fun. And I wasn't expecting an animated comedy Star Trek show to be my favourite Star Trek show. And it absolutely is. I say My favourite Star Trek show of the modern Star Treks. And yeah. uh, it, it, it's just a joy to, joy to watch. I think Picard Discovery, can, yeah, right. They're probably on the same level. I haven't seen Prodigy mm. either. Um, you know, the Tart sequence is magnificent. I've seen it. I love the Tart sequence of Prodigy, but I haven't seen anything about that show. And obviously, it's not really aimed for our age group anyway. But. You know, Picard and Discovery, you're right, Discovery's had three seasons now, and I think they're both in, on the same level in the sense they've got some great content, some great characters, but some things they don't always work quite as well, too. I, I think I think Picard may come out on top when we've had more of it, but we haven't really seen enough. So, yeah, l- let's get into Picard season one then. So, it kicked off its 10-episode season in January 2020, and... If we're going to now, the first thing I want to say about Picard season one is that opening three episodes, Remembrance, Maps and Legends, and the end is the beginning. It's probably the mm. most consistently strongest part of the season one. Yeah, I mean, that was originally meant to have been a two-episode starter, wasn't it? And I can see why they stretched it out to three, because there's so much to it. And, you you know, it's, it's the first hint of Picard 
older uh, and later on in his life disillusioned with Starfleet. You've got his two Romulan um, house sitters or house guests or, mm. or whatever there are. Uh, I think they they work on the vineyard or they sort of work in the house. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that... Um, oh, I've forgotten her name. The Irish Orla, Orla Brady. Orla, Orla Brady. Laris. Laris, yeah. Laris, thank you. Yeah, uh, I can't believe I forgot her name then. Uh, Laris is one of my favourite things in the show. Yes. And I'm so glad that she's in the trailer for season two. Uh, <laughs> you had the opening scene because a lot of the publicity was about Darge Asher and um, Picard's relationship with Darge. Mm. And she gets killed in the first episode. Also, I know. Spoil- spoilers yes. if you haven't seen Picard season one. We, we, yeah. we, are, we, are, we are going to talk spoilers in this one. We are going to talk detail, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, Darge gets killed in the very first episode. And I remember thinking, oh, my <laughs> God, what the hell are they going to be doing here? Then you meet her sister Soji on the Romulan... Uh, sorry, on the um, Artifact, mm. which is brilliantly revealed to be a Borg cube. You've got number one, who is uh, Picard's dog, um, and also, I believe, played by Patrick Stewart's actual pit bull dog, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah, I believe so. He's one of his pit bull rescues, I think. Quick look. Um, yeah, he's a rescue pit called De Niro. Yeah, because uh, even though, obviously, we've got um, rules regarding... Pitbull Terriers here in the UK. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart is a very big. Uh, he's a he's a fan of Pitbull Terriers. He um he rescues them. He 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 does a lot of work in that sort of field. And yes, he is um, number one is uh, is one of his dogs. Yeah, I think um yeah going all of Brady as Laris. I wanted to be a main character. I love that character so much, and her performance is so good. Mm. The way she can shoot that that kind of sharp tongue she has, but also. There's warmth to her as well, and she generally, generally seems to care. And that kind of slightly jokey, hostile banter with Jay McShane's Zabana as well. And the yeah. three of them together, it's just a great dynamic. I could have watched the three of them living together for, for like 10 episodes itself. I, that would be entertaining yeah. itself. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think it's really great. And I think almost, for me, almost something was slightly lost when... Picard leaves Earth and leaves them behind. And I'm so glad, as you said, that they're back in season two. I certainly all of Brady is because there's um, something about a character, uh, particularly in the second episode as well, because the first episode really got the dynamic down. And in the second episode, Maps and Legends, she carries a lot of the episode because she's there essentially, yeah, to spell exposition. She introduces the Shat Vash, the kind of the secret, secret, police are in the Tal Shiar secret police you know, well they're kind former of anti- Tal Shiar themselves aren't they? Yeah and they are which is really interesting as well and the, the whole kind of investigation to Daj's death and the reveal about the Shat Vash and what's really going on it could be very clunky but I think Orla Brady does a really really good job mm. of kind of delivering those lines and introducing the main kind of threat and the antagonist of the season yeah in a way which making it makes it a bit sure that she's actually not there later on but uh yeah i think they do a really good job but i think there's there's so much in those three opening three episodes we could do what these episodes um and that'd be a whole podcast but yeah to kind of cover the key points really you know the opening on the enterprise d in 10 forward with data picard mm-hmm. is lovely and i think i think picard season one does a very good job of 
pinpoint the nostalgia moments at just the right time. It's not the next generation. You're not going to see all the crew as much as you know. We hear Geordie and Warfare around. They aren't actually there. Yeah. But you know, with these lovely little moments, and particularly with Data, and 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 I was really surprised at how much this season is about Data as much as it is about Picard as well. It's about that goodbye to Data, a character who died 25 years earlier in Star Trek Nemesis. So I think that's lovely. And, and, and obviously, Brent Spider is too old to be playing Data, but you kind of it, it's almost dreamlike sequences. You can kind of get away with it. Yeah. I think the other thing about that opening episode is the interview he does as well. That really, Again, it's another really clever way of establishing his place as a man essentially waiting to die mm. because he felt betrayed by Starfleet. You hear about the attack on Mars, which you then see a bit more in the episode too. And it's a really mournful start to Picard's character. I think these are what I like about these three episodes is you realize he's a character waiting to die. And then by the end of episode three, he's in space. And when he says engage and they go off, it's joyous and He's living again and he's going into space and it's about that journey to getting back there. And uh, I think, yeah, how, how it works and how Daj kind of kickstarts that is, is great. Um, I've got to say, I actually prefer Daj to Soji. <laughs> I think I warmed to Daj straight away and mm. Soji, it really isn't until Nepenthe when episode seven, I know she's only at the yeah. end of the first episode, but Soji was quite harder character to crack in a way which is weird the same much as playing mm. two android twins but obviously the sync about it was a little bit different but um but yeah i i really like that so that was some good moments for me yeah you saying as well about the realization that picard is a man waiting to die because obviously he comes to that very same conclusion um mm. uh during the first couple of episodes i think it even is the first episode where he um he wakes up after after Darge is killed and that explosion, mm. the bomb goes off, and he goes, "I'm I'm, you know, I've just been waiting to die. Um, I'm gonna do something about it." And that's obviously where uh, where Laris comes on board, helps him out, and realizes uh, you're actually gonna go and do something about this, aren't you? Um, and yeah. really, uh, and tries to talk him out of it because it's like Picard is in his nineties. Um, 95, I think he's meant to be in the series. Even yeah, Patrick, a little you know, bit older than Picard. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Patrick Patrick Stewart's obviously in his 70s at the moment. Uh, Picard, I think, is in his 90s. Mm. Um, and then you get the call back to all good things as well, where they say, "Oh, you know, I need the medical check." And his um his old C- uh, CMO uh, from the Stargazer comes on board. And were we expecting Doctor Crusher at that point? I, it would have been it would have been lovely. I I really really hope we get Crusher at some point because yeah, we talked about it in or our Pulaski. first co- in our yeah absolutely Pulaski would have been perfect for her actually because she's a little bit less well known and lovely. No, I think Pulaski mm. is great. I think Pulaski would have been a really interesting choice actually. I think Crusher's loaded with so much expectation that if Crusher had been that one scene, it'd be like oh but we want no more. If 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 I think if Pulaski had come in and done that scene, I think it would be perfect. But yeah, there are moments when you would love to see see more of kind of original cast members, and I hope there's more. But yeah, I it's a, it's a great that it calls back to uh, all good things and that a neurological deficiency that he has, which eventually leads to 
spoiler here, he's deaf at the end of the season. But yeah, the um, aromatic syndrome. Yeah. So I like that it's a stargazer, you know, and it shows, you know, mm. obviously his issue goes way back before the Enterprise, Enterprise. D, which is great. Yeah. But I, I would like Pulaski there. That would be, that would be a nice little moment. But um, I think Crusher need. I, I really, really, really hope of all. If if we don't see any more next gen mem- next generation cast members bar one, I do want it to be Crusher in season three, just because I think they've built that story with Crusher and Picard over the seven seasons up to that kiss and all good things, and then the hint of the marriage that failed in the future, and then nothing in the movies and we talked about it in the movies that Crusher didn't really get anything to do so mm. I think you know jumping ahead here I think like I think Nepenthe is probably choice best episode that she ever had and I yeah and I think I think we could do something with Crusher and there's just one episode in the maybe the third I think second season is going to go into an alternate reality in, in the past that's so going to be different but maybe season three to wrap things up I'd like to see it crush at least one episode but yeah we could spend the whole time talking about that couldn't we so yeah <laughs> what about some of the new characters what about admiral clancy and the f-bomb what did you think of that scene? oh i know so many people that hated it the whole um uh are we allowed to swear on this podcast baz i don't think we've decided yet i think we're gonna I... yeah picard swear Carter swearing, so we're going to up the level of this podcast. We we can swear in this podcast in this episode. Okay, yeah, the sheer fucking hubris <laughs> is one of my favourite lines of any Trek ever because it is so unexpected, mm. it is so shocking, and coming from an admiral yeah. as well. And you know, you can tell the shock on Picard's face when he gets faced with this, but. The thing is, she's absolutely right. Yes. He has got the sheer fucking hubris of coming into her office and saying, give me a ship, uh, demote me to a a captain if that's suitable. Small crew, you know. Uh, It's like, after the way you just took apart Starfleet on that interview and the way that you handled the Romulans and you uh, resigning from Starfleet, of course it's hubris. Mm. But um, yeah, he got he got put in his place, did Picard. And yeah. I think at that point he realised, okay, I'm going to have to go about doing this a different way. And that obviously steers the show in the way it goes. Yeah, and I think that's for the audience as well, because you think he's going to triumphantly go in, get a starship, and off he goes. And mm. you know, if this had been a Kirk movie, or maybe even a Next Generation movie, that's how it would have gone. He would have got the Enterprise back or another ship and some of the old cast members and off they go and they're going to they're gonna find Maddox and, and solve the mystery. But no, if it was a has... Kirk movie, Kirk would have stolen it. Have stolen <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were denied the steal of the Enterprise E from Space Dock <laughs> scene. <laughs> or the Enterprise um, F, I presume it would might have been by that. Ah, possibly, yeah, yeah. I know there's an Enterprise F on like Star Trek Online, so there was a ship out there wherever they Apparently. do that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming the steerers would do their own thing if they did Enterprise mm. F. But I mean, I, 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 yeah, maybe the Enterprise E actually. I'd like to see Enterprise E one more time, slightly more mothballed. Enterprise E gets stolen out of space dock. How's that? How's that for uh, homage to Central Spock? I, I've heard it. I've heard it said that actually Janeway would have been great in that role. I can't think that might have yes. worked, and I, I think it probably. 
now that we know that Janeway is featuring some form in Prodigy, and uh, is mm-hmm. featuring in Prodigy, so maybe that's why they didn't do it. But I, I think Janeway would have been great in that role, actually. Yeah, there's someone that came I up agree. from the ranks. Yeah. She got to Admiral before him eventually. You know, she rose up. She's in base. I could see Janeway in that role, absolutely. And then Janeway was the sort of person who would go, not say fucking hubris, but would certainly put him down. I think she had no qualms yeah. about that. So that, that would have been quite an interesting way. And But yeah, um, maybe... Clancy's not light, so maybe that's why they didn't do Joe. I don't know. I I think the thing as well is that the characters that we've seen returning, and I'm not just talking about um, uh, Riker and Troy, I'm talking about Mm -hmm. Seven of Nine, I'm talking about Hugh, ones Mm -hmm. that we've seen come back, they've had quite meaty, juicy parts. And as a result, I think if Janeway had been in the role of Clancy, it would have been that one scene and done. I know Clancy pops up a couple more times later on, but I, yeah, I think uh, it would have been a great scene for Janeway, actually. I, I could see Janeway in that role, but I could see why for Voyager fans, uh, certainly not. So what about the new characters then? Obviously, it doesn't really into episode three. Once you've established in episode two, the mystery of the Jack Vash, and you've, and there's this, and this stuff on the, on the, on the artifact as well with Soji and Narek. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, particularly in the next episode, but, Michelle heard as Raffi then, who get introduced in episode three, and we get that flashback to her and Picard in those wonderful stuff uniforms. They're one of my favourites, actually. That they're kind of 15, 20 years earlier stuff uniforms are, are really great. But um what what were your thoughts on Michelle Heard as Raffi, the character? Yeah, she was absolutely brilliant. She <laughs> she comes on, she doesn't take any crap from Picard because uh, she's the person that Picard really turns to to try and sort out a ship. But because of what Picard did when he resigned from Starfleet and that effectively screwed her Starfleet career over completely, um, you can see it obviously had a, a, a really nasty effect on her. But, you know, yeah. she's she's a drug user. She's jobless. She's pretty much homeless because she lives in that caravan by... Vasquez rocks. Nice touch, by the way. But yeah, she just doesn't want to know. And it's only when Picard sort of tempts her with a mystery and offers her some uh, wine as well uh, that she she starts thinking about it. But even then, she she sort of says, no, I'm, I'm not interested. I, I don't want to join this journey with you, Picard. But she still gives him the name of Rios. And you know at that point yeah. that she still got honor or whatever inside of her so yeah i loved yeah i loved raffi yeah absolutely my, i think she's my favorite character so my favorite new character in picard santiago carrera then as rios as well and the many many holograms as well um <laughs> yeah. again, again like like raffi he's another broken stuff officer and i think i can see maybe why people didn't warm a little bit to the series because everyone's broken. Even Girati, played by Alison Peel, is broken as well. Um, they not at the beginning. And um, I think actually she's very endearing. I really like her in those opening episodes. But then, obviously, what happens with Maddox and so on, which we'll get on to, that kind of breaks her as well. There's a lot of broken Starfleet characters in this show. Yeah. And it's hard. It may be, you know, I can see how it could be hard for people to kind of relate to them because they're not your typical Starfleet crew. Yeah, I know. Um, well, they're they're not a Starfleet crew by the end, uh, by the series, mm. are they? Because obviously, Rios has lost his commission. The Raffi's lost his commission. 
Seven of Nine is a, um, a sort of freedom fighter vigilante type thing. Jurati, well, she wasn't Starfleet, but she obviously uh, sort of gets lured by Commodore O. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, and they're not perfect in Picard. They've all got no. these problems. They've all got these flaws. And in some cases, major flaws as well. But I think that's what makes them more believable. They're a great cast because of it. Yeah, completely agree. I think it was one thing you can level at Next Gen is that it's almost like they're too perfect. Mm. The crew is perfect. Every officer is kind of perfect. You know, someone like Barclay is the is, who is social anxiety yeah. issues is someone who is who is not perfect. Actually, still very good at his job. And you know, they're the creme de la creme. And the only DS Nine started to kind of break that down a little bit, but. This is almost like the opposite of the next gen. Yeah, it's, and that's probably why people didn't like it as much because it's, this is no, this is not next gen in any form. It, this is broken people coming together on a common cause. Mm. So it's a, it's a very different, but very believable, very engaging. Um, certainly at this stage as well, I think in in, in that episode three when everyone comes together, you've got a really interesting bunch of characters. Yeah, we should probably move on then to the next episode. But the last thing, there's probably a couple of things to talk about, particularly in episode three, uh, the return of Hugh. Yes. I kind of wish he hadn't been announced in the kind of the publicity around it and, and just me. turned up. That would be better. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a, it's really interesting how, I mean, Hugh's journey is something really unexpected in the, in this show. You know, the guy that who's now running this artifact mm. trying to essentially rehabilitate former Borg drones. And um, no, it's great to see him back on the show. Completely, I would never have expected Hugh to be all the characters to be one that comes back, and to actually see what happens after descent, because you never really know what kind of happens after that point in the beginning of season seven with with the, with the Borg and Law and so on. And I yeah. know we're going to, you know, we might we're going to talk about that episode in a, in a future podcast, but uh, yeah, it's um it's great to sort of see him in this show and, and his own story. I mean, when you get to the Impossible Box and his reunion with Picard, that's lovely. But actually, this the scene here is so G is is lovely, and mm. you know he becomes a guide for her and um i really love the psychiatric facility with the form of romulan drone you know rebecca wisoski as ramda the uh Shatvash Romulan who was assimilated. You know, yeah. some really great stuff there and i kind of wish it had been a bit more of that actually i thought that was probably the most interesting part of the whole um artifact was the was the rehabilitation of, of these drones that wasn't really touched on enough for me. Mm. I think in episodes two and three, I, I don't think the soji Narex relationship is too oppressive at this point. I think it's fine. Mm. There's obvious manipulation of Soji by Narek, and I've got his sister Narissa there as well. Another Shatmash member who's like O is a member of uh, the Shatvash Romulans who have integrated themselves into Starfleet. But uh, I wish maybe that had been pushed back a little bit down the line into the episode Candor Starter City Rag yeah. and had more of stuff like Soji and the former drones and her work. You don't really get what she does mm. apart from that one scene and, and that way would have given her the kind of depth that we had with with Daj. Daj, yeah. yeah. It would have given the same it would have given the same depth that we had with Daj in one episode. We didn't really get with Soji because yeah. it was all about her manipulation by, by Narek and I think while I didn't really have a problem with with, with Isa Brion's performance of Soji and Harry Treadaway as Narek. I think they were the fine performances, but I think he just drags on too long and takes too much. And I, I was more interested in Soji working on the facility yeah. and the work she was doing. But uh, 
But I guess in those opening three episodes, they do they establish all that as well. There's so much pattern in those episodes, and when you get to Picard on the ship, and he says, "Make it so," and the music kicks in, and off they go. It feels earned, and you feel like the show is really ready to take off at that point. And I thought I don't really have much to thought about those opening three episodes. I love them, and on rewatch, I I love them too. I really appreciated, particularly knowing where the show went, just how good those opening three episodes are. I think if if the show had been that level all the way through, I think this would be better, better, better show overall. Yeah. So I've waffled on a lot there about episodes one, two, and three. What about episode four then, Absolute Candor? What were your thoughts on that episode and the characters introduced there? I think Elnor is one of the best things, again, in <laughs> Picard. Um Space Legolas. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. well, they, they said he was Elrond, didn't they? But Elnor is is funny. He's naive. He's obviously uh, been brought up by this uh, the group of Rom- um, Romulan warrior nuns. Kovat Milat. Kovat Milat. That's it. Because yeah, we yeah. see them in Discovery as well. Um, mm, I, I love that. I love that. It was really great. Yeah, but oh he's obviously so out of place in some ways he is so clever so intelligent and in others he's so naive so well not stupid stupid's the wrong word naive i think is the best way of describing him because he obviously hasn't experienced life outside of the kovat malat and um and actually seeing things properly oh yeah i like you I really like Casey King's performance. This naivety, but the kind of strength as well of Elnor. Really, really good character. Um, it's um, it's Evan Evagora. Casey Khan was. was it? Yeah, Casey oh. Khan was Icheb recasted. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yes, Evan get, get, get the right cast members. <laughs> yes, that was that's the one. Yes, um, yeah, I thought he was great. I I, I really liked him as as Elnor, mm. and I really like Amir Ivana Zani, the the court Milat person that Picard deals with. Yeah. I, in like you, I think on rewatch, I like I appreciate the whole series more. I actually kind of enjoy the show second time round more than the first time round in a way because I kind of appreciate where it's all where it all came together as a whole. Absolute candle is a kind of this odd episode where I really like the development of the Romulans, the Corp Malat. Mm. I like Zani. I like Elnor. I like Picard's relationship to them i like how it fleshes out around woman's destruction i like elnor but it's all completely unnecessary if yeah. if they had gone from the last episode to star city rag which even itself is a little bit of kind of kind of chugging along and not really getting anywhere mm. i think nothing would have been lost in this episode and i'm even going to say this as as big an elnor fan as i am i do really like elnor what does he really bring to the show? Uh, he's just basically the muscle, isn't he? Um, very, mm. very naive muscle. And let's face it, they then he's bring... needed. Yeah, they then bring in Seven of Nine at the end of the episode. Yeah. And um, she's pretty much the muscle going forward as well. But what yeah. I would say is I agree with you for most of it, but I do think the whole thing about seeing where the Romulans are now was crucial because... We hadn't mm. seen what happened to the Romulans. We, we'd obviously known, because um, this goes back to Star Trek 2009, um, yes. when you get the Romulan supernova. They're obviously then getting together and trying to rescue the Romulans, which you see in the uh, during mm. the interview. And they've got that fantastic moment where she talks about Romulan lives. 
and Picard goes, not Romulan lives, lives. And then yeah. you see exactly what happened to the Romulans in absolute candor. And they are, they're just, they're refugees. They're a race without a home. And it is heartbreaking to see, mm. especially with the fact that they don't trust Picard because Picard promised them so much. And Starfleet just basically said, nope, we're not doing it. Yeah. So I, I'm glad we saw that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I may, maybe absolute candor on Star City Rag could be a bit of a combination. I, I don't mm. know because it does feel like a narrative dead stop. So we're off on a mission to find Maddox, but no, we're going to stop off here and have this mission side mission first. Yeah, but you are, I I appreciate the world build around the Romulans, and and that's what really this brought. You know, mm. they had some fun stuff. You know, I like the stuff with the old Romulan warbird. It's quite fun as well. That yeah. that was a, a nice little kind of uh, nostalgic throwback, but to the original Star Trek rather than next gen. And uh, you know, of course, seven nine turn up at the end is is a is a real kind of fun fun cliffhanger for, for the episode as well. And we'll talk about her more. When we get onto the next episode, but it's it's just one that doesn't really go anywhere. And even the ex manipulation of Soji starts to drag in this episode as well. I think they're not they're barely in actually in episode five, which is probably a good reason because what more can you do? And I think. Maybe if episodes two and three had been more about her work on the artifact yeah. and then the manipulation really kind of kicked up a level in absolute candle that might have worked because we've seen it for two or three episodes now. It's like, what's what's going on? It, it, immediately this really exciting place, this Borg queue, becomes a bit of a narrative dead stop for the show. Yeah. Uh, having said that, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to pick yeah. up one particular Narek and Soji scene. Uh, which I absolutely love, and it is actually from Absolute Candor, and it's the scene in that sort of air vent or whatever it is where they're sliding down the corridor with mm. with their shoes off, um, and you've got that particular moment where they're then you've got them at each other. Narek's trying to get to the bottom of who Soji is. Soji's trying to get to the bottom of who Narek is all uh, what Narek's all about. Soji's obviously starting to realise there's something wrong with her. So she's also trying to mm. figure out who she, who or what she is. And that all is cul uh, culminates with that amazing and wonderful scene in that um, in that air vent. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I get what you said. Again, back when I first watched it, it's like, is this going anywhere? Yeah. And I thought at that point it was starting to get some traction. Yeah, I think they make the mistake of, they meet in episode one and they're, they're already sleeping together in episode two. Yeah. If they had, this was the episode when they were sleeping together and actually you saw more about him kind of interacting with her a little bit by her doing a work and this is the episode when they come this kind of sort of a couple be, uh, being manipulated. That might work better, but it's just like, this is the third episode in a row now. So uh, you are, I, I do, you are, I, I do, I do, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. I do like a lot of the scenes. Mm. If you look at them in isolation, and that scene, you know, where they're trying to pick each other apart and the slide down the, the corridor, it's a lovely moment. But it's it's just for like just get on with it, get it at the same yeah. time, and uh, yeah. So it, it, it's a very up and down. I, I think you could episodes three, three, you know, three and four could be maybe a bit amalgam. I, I don't know, but I think if it's, it's very clear to me that. Episodes one, two, and three they had a very clear plan of what how the show was going to start, mm. where the show was going to end, and then in the middle it kind of meanders a little bit. And I think that's probably one of the main criticisms with Picard is that it doesn't quite maintain that momentum. But yeah, let's talk about Stardust City Rag. So I was reviewing the show 
back at the time mm. for the old site I used to write for. And I wrote this quite high first time rounds, mainly for the Seven and Nine stuff, for me, how fun it was. But I think this was one of those episodes that a lot of people kind of found quite cringeworthy and didn't quite gel with. And mm. I think when I watched it on repeat viewing, I kind of saw maybe a little bit of that as well. What, what do you think of this episode? Again, I, I like this on first watch, but on repeated viewing, it is it's not as good uh, as I first thought it was. Yeah. I I get what they were doing. It's, it's nice to have that sort of light-hearted episode in the run. And I think... Well, I say lighthouse, a sort of uh, light-hearted episode. And then by the end of the episode, you get Seven of Nine basically going nuts and killing everyone in yeah. that bar. Elnor's trying to work out what they're doing, wondering why they're all pretending to be something else. Picard's putting on a fake French accent, which I thought was a bit <laughs> odd. Picard, you are French. Why are you putting on a French accent? Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, I, I kind of the first time around, I thought, oh, this is quite fun. But when you watch it again, you're like, yeah. no, no, it doesn't work. I do like the reference to Quark. Glad to see Quark is still mm. around. Um, yeah, and not just that, he seems to have a a franchise of bars and casinos now because um, he's obviously got one on Stardust City, as has Mister Mott. Um, he's obviously got his um his barbers. <laughs> uh, still going because they uh, they both seem to have um, businesses in Starless City, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah, doesn't one of the early episodes as well? Casty Yates has something, I think, on I think on Earth um, business. I yes. think it pops up in the very first episode. Very first episode. Yeah, you see something yeah. on a wide shot just before you see Darge's mm. apartment. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like those moments. There's a little bit of kind of well-building and tying, you know. Yeah. I like that. And I think Quark's also pops up in um, Lower Deck. So yeah. he gets a franchise, So it, which is great. It's still one in a bar, but he gets his franchise. What do you think of Echeb's death in the, in the flashback at the beginning of the episode? Don't ask me that. <laughs> um, I was never a fan of Echeb. I'm never a fan of Echeb in Voyager. I completely get why Seven of Nine was was so close to him and so friendly mm. with him because she obviously did take on quite a motherly role uh, with Echeb in Voyager. But the problem is, is I never liked the character. And the actor, Manu Interamy, um, who played him back in the day, I've met him a couple of times. He's not a nice guy. Um, so I've... I, I kind of have always felt that uh, a bit of resentment towards him. When I saw Echeb was in the episode, I thought, please don't be Manu Interamy. Um, but he wasn't. The recasting helped put forward the impact that it had more uh, on Seven. Because I think if it had been Manu Interamy, it might have annoyed a lot more fans um, than it just being the death of Echeb. Fair enough, then. And again, the same thing. S same thing, you know, meaty character, bringing someone back. If it had been Manu and Taremi, who I, I do understand has got fans, who is quite well-liked, he's sort of latched on a bit more to the toxic side of the fandom now, um, right. unfortunately. But he does still have fans. But I think those fans would have been gutted to have seen him killed off. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, Voyager didn't reduce story arcs, did it? But I think there was that one 
bit with Icheb and Seven, that kind of mother son relationship that kind of ran through a little bit of the of the final two seasons. So, which I, I watched Voyager last year, and, and some of the season six I hadn't seen before. So, mm. um, I think when I first watched Star City Rag, actually, I hadn't seen a lot of the Egypt. I've seen some Egypt episodes, but not all of them. Whereas this time round, I've seen all of them. So I've seen his kind of whole journey as as much as it was in yeah. in Voyager. So. It was kind of a little bit more sadder maybe this time around, but it, I think the main thing is it was just how nasty it was, actually. Oh, God, yeah. The brutality of his death is horrible. Yeah, it, it's not something you used to see in Star Trek. No. That level of, as you said, brutality, what they did to the eye, what they did to to him, you know, it's just like knives and blood everywhere. It, it was like a scene from a Saw movie yeah, um, to some extent, but very, very very visceral um and yeah not not for not for underage viewing no it's not at all actually you know you've got the bad language but actually you've got the horror as well the body horror and stuff i mean solid city rag the best bits for me are the seven or nine stuff that you know her backstory Mm. her motivation her relationship with picard and that's probably the most entertaining part of the episode, really. Not not the silly hats and bad accents. It's it's the <laughs> seven or nine seven or nine's episode. I'm gonna throw another thing out here about as much as I said about Elnor, I love Elnor, but Elnor isn't really necessary for Picard. Really is seven either? I don't know. I kind of when I've watched it again, I'm like, what does se- this is her best episode in the in the se- in the, in the mm. se- season, but. I don't really know what she really brings overall, but maybe that's linked to what happens with the Borg Cube in the, in the final episodes. But I, I liked her relationship with Picard. I like what this episode does, and it does happen in other episodes as well, is the galaxy's treatment of XBs yeah. and how they're, how they're mistreated and how they're, they're basically... People are terrified of the Borg, understandably, mm. and XBs are the prize of the galaxy. And, you know... and. You've got kind of like you know, each ship's brutally murdered for parts, and you know, and it's happened a lot. And you can you want to understand Sarah's motivation. So there's some interesting storytelling going on around there. In the same way that you know the Romulans broken, how the Romulans are treated. It's the same thing with the XBs as well. So that's probably about the most successful part of the episode is is the kind of well building around that and sort of Seven's backstory and kind of really set up for. I always felt like they were set up an Elnor and Seven spin-off with with this, uh, maybe with the final episodes. But uh, but yeah, um, it's it's an odd episode, isn't it? And again, actually, even though they do introduce Maddox, played by a different actor to the original Measure of a Man from Next Gen season two, yeah. they bring him, they bring him in, and then they and then they kill him off. Girati kills him, and and that's quite a shocking twist, I think. Mm. But I think. I think the Impossible Box, Nepenthe, and Broken Pieces are the other three strongest episodes of the season. I think when you get past the diversions of the last two episodes and you really get into the storylines converging, you know, things are stronger again. I don't think the season quite holds it together quite at the end, but I think these three are really strong. And I think Impossible Box is, is another really, really good episode, you know, because it brings everyone together on the ball cube. And... You know, I loved Picard's reunion with you. Yeah, that was such a lovely moment. Yeah. that hug was just lovely. And uh, were you smiling as well? Kind of the... Yes, absolutely. I was like, oh, that's lovely, really lovely. Which makes what happens more tragic as well. Mm. But I also really liked the um, 
the trauma of being back on the ball cube and you know the con the, the xbs referring to him as lacutus and the kind of flashbacks of things like first contact as well and you know really starting to deal with that trauma because mm. you know i mean obviously enterprise e was turned harsh into a borg ship in first contact but this is probably the first time he's been actually on a borg cube since he was assimilated as, as lacutus so I do like how the episode deals with that trauma, and and obviously you now he's a much older, more fragile man. So yes. I thought that was um, some really, really great stuff as well. And um, yeah, there's some really, 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 really great stuff in, in this episode. You know, the Narek stuff is great actually. The, the Narek and Soji stuff finally does something in this episode, and his manipulation, you know, with that, that kind of dream sequence, that ritual, and then he tries to poison her, and she activates. That's all really, really great stuff. And I thought, you know, even though it's dragged its heels longer than it should have done, I think when it does all come together, it's great. I think this episode has a real momentum to it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It's also got my favourite line of the whole season is Raffi. You know, I, I love the deconstruction of Picard in this series. And I think Raffi referring to Picard, every part of that guy that's not ego is rampaging it. Such a brilliant, brilliant line. Love it. Michelle does that line so well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a diff- mm. different bond, Raffi, because you have to get that pretty quickly because you're almost thinking, why hasn't Picard got one of the old crew to help him on this? And because Raffi's someone we've never seen before, and it helps that Michelle mm. Hurd is so good at the role. And I think Patrick Stewart and Michelle Hurd play off each other really, really well. And that's why I think yeah. she's one of the best characters. But it's almost like a shorthand of you know, this familiarity with, with him that you know no one on the Enterprise D would have called him jail. No, no, God, no, they wouldn't have got away with it. <laughs> I think Impossible Box is a is a real kind of energy episode. It's probably the most intense episode, really, of the season, yeah. in, in a sense. You know, you know, build that through an escape, you know, all storylines converging, soldiers being activated, and, you know, the escape through the Sicarian device, device. So you find out that the Sicarian race from that season one episode of Voyager have been assimilated. So yeah. uh, I, I, I like moments like that when he's like, things that are completely unrelated but it's a little bit of world building just yeah. to show kind of the galaxy I, I like that as well but of course that leads to Nepenthe which I think is the highlight of the season the time you were flying off to Romulus to plan the great supernova rescue do you remember what I said so you want to be ass deep in Romulans for the rest of your life I believe I also reminded you of Newton's fourth law of thermodynamics no good deed goes unpunished right. i told kester to show your friend how to find the shower thank you she's a friend soji she appears fully human her face her voice her body language all express clear emotion the poor thing seems traumatized but i sense nothing i can't read her i think i'm in over my head when i left earth i had a plan i had a ship i even had a crew of sorts now i've lost them all my plan turns out to be well half a plan at best and the girl's life is still in danger it sounds like you need a new plan i think it's not just one of the best episodes of picard i think it's one of the best episodes of modern trek yeah it's that and possibly Lethe and all of the first two seasons of Lower Deck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but um, yeah, Nepenthe just hits all the right notes. And it's 
such a joy to see Riker mm. and Troy again. It's such a joy to see him again. It is. And and I love Kestra as well. Yeah, wasn't she great? That was a great, 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 great character, great performance. I love the relationship between Soji and Kestra because I think, as I just said earlier, I think Soji is not as relatable a character as Daj, but this episode mm. really starts to bring some depth to her and some warmth to her as well. Never quite the level of Daj. I think Soji's a much colder character throughout, even to the very end. Maybe it's because of the betrayal that she goes through. Or she, she, she betrays Picard, doesn't she? In the kind of yeah. final two-parter, but I like the relationship. I think it's a, it's a depth that's been missing from the character, and I like that yeah. she actually questions Picard and goes, she treats Picard like a manipulator. As, as the audience member, you think, oh no, of course he's fine, but actually, if you think about it, why wouldn't she think he's, he's manipulating after what she's gone through with Narek and find her whole life is a lie? So her whole life is a manipulation. Why would she believe any different with Picard? I think that's why I think where it's Troy's greatest episode because Marina Sirtis is wonderful in this episode. There's so much warmth and gravitas to her performance. Mm. And I love the way she supports Soji and the way she handles Picard as well. You know, it's... There were lines and there's a history there. You know, it's great to see her with Riker and it's almost like it's almost like shorthand. They they just they're the couple and they're happy. But it's the it's her interactions with Picard and Soji that are kind of probably the real highlight of the episode for me. Yeah, uh, what I liked as well was you could see that Kestra had obviously picked up all of the all of the positivity, all of the um, mm. all of the respect that Riker and Troy had had for their fallen crew man data mm. and you know all the stuff they were telling her about how good a man he was and how he sacrificed himself and when she finds out that she's related to data you can tell that she's just all over trying to find her and the the funny scene where they're in the bedroom and she's trying to figure out if she if she's got superpowers yeah i think is one of my favorite scenes in it Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just a normal person. I'm just, I just happen to be an android. And said, "Ah, oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, c- can you do this? Can you do that?" And she's trying to find out exactly what she can do. But yeah, she, I hope we see Kestra again. And uh, the actor that plays her is such a fantastic, believable actor as well. I've forgotten the actor's name at the moment. I know you have it. To I do there. have it. I'm just going to right now. One second. Yeah, Kesha's played by Lulu Wilson. Lulu Wilson. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's terrific. Mm. She's terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a real warmth to it. You know, but it's also that kind of again because these characters are broken. Even Mike and Troy are broken as well. You know, Thaddeus, their son who died. Yeah. Is a kind of all kind of sad backstory as well. And could have been saved if it wasn't for the ban on synths. Yeah, I do wonder if maybe that was one step too far, if it was needed. Did we need to have that in there as well? But I think Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes do such good work with that. I think kind of almost the extra contrivance of having their son dying linked to the band, which is linked to the Shout Vash and everything else going on. It all feels a bit too much in a way but at the same time you know there were so many lovely scenes and i think this is when picard embraced the nostalgia and it worked you know and when you get that hug between picard troy and reich it's just the most wonderful thing yeah you feel like you're in the hug 
as a, as a next gen fan. And, you know, I love the stuff with Troy. I love Riker and Picard's chat by the lake, mm. you know, which sets up nicely the the finale as well. And there's just so much beautiful stuff going on in this episode. Yeah, I mean everything that's happening between Picard, Riker, Troy, and Kestra in this episode is wonderful to see. Unfortunately, this episode also has one of the my least favourite moments of the entire season in it. And I think you know which bit I'm talking about. Are we talking about poor Hugh? Poor Hugh, yes. Yeah. This is tragic. And I hated that they did it. And I still Mm. hate that they did it in this episode. I don't know if killing Hugh was necessary, to be honest. Yeah. I kind of almost felt like if you didn't have seven or nine and as much, and I loved seeing Jerry Ryan back at seven or nine and continue that character because she's the best character in Voyager, probably along with the doctor. I think almost feel like Hugh could have done some stuff that seven or nine does towards the end. I, I mean, maybe it's, we know Newis is a, is a, is a bad, 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 buddy <laughs> to killing Hugh as well. I don't know. I mean, I love the outlaw saving the day, but it just, it, it's, it's brutal. I almost wish all the stuff, outside of the planet of Nepenthe had been saved for broken pieces and actually we mm. any of it. Because it's good, really good stuff, you know. The stuff with Elnor saving the day and Nerissa killing Hugh is big and bold, dramatic, has a lot of momentum. It's all some good stuff and some tragic stuff there. You know, I love Rafi mothering Girati with a cake and then the kind of revelation of why she killed Maddox. And mm. there's a strong balance of character work here and narrative momentum with the nostalgia that's happening on the planet of Nepenthe. I just think... I kind of wish almost this bit had just been taken and put into the next episode. But yeah. there's a lot going on in the next episode as well. Yeah, maybe this is where, if you'd cut out some of that side trips back and forth to these other planets early on, you could have had that. I think Nepenthe would have worked purely in isolation. But because it, while it's a nice breather, it's also continuing the story as well. Mm. So um, Broken Pieces then, I think, is a good episode again. I think... It does feel like stuff grounds to a halt at the same time. Some of the momentum grounds to a halt because you're now looking at Rios's past and his encounter with the Simps and his captain's suicide mm. as a result of killing these Simps. So there's some really good stuff there as well. And it's a Rios episode, really, isn't it? I think the scene with Raffi and the holograms is is one of my favourite scenes on the entire season. Yeah. You know, who's your favourite hologram? Oh God. Um... It's got to be the Scottish engineer. <laughs> Is it Enoch? Enoch, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm also quite a fan of the, the fanboy Irish emergency navigation hologram <laughs> too. He's quite, he's quite good. But yeah, I think I think Cabrera was the superb that scene, playing the different ones. And where they all do the same movements and stuff and that is, mm. is brilliant. But it's a good Raffi episode as well, actually, because she's putting together all the pieces regarding the Shatrash plan, getting everything together, ready for those final episodes. So you know, there's a lot going on there as well. And I think there's an, the stuff with Rios and Raffi really get the character work that maybe had suffered a little bit. And even Gerardi, because you, she's going through what happened as well and coming to terms with her actions yeah. and uh, and what happened as well. So there's some really good work with that kind of supporting cast there. I think it does make another good, strong episode. The several nine start several nine turning up going all badass is great. I love her going on Borg Queen style and, and navigating the ship and the stuff with the Borgs being thrown to space and fighting the wrists. It's all really, really good, exciting stuff. But I've got a question. Is it really necessary? It feels like a very separate B-plot with her and Elna that doesn't really tie into what's going on elsewhere. Yeah, and the whole 
that button as well, which they had, which sort of summoned her. It was sort of like the bat signal calling Seven of Nine mm. to action. Yeah, it's... Don't get me wrong. Anytime Seven of Nine appears on the screen is a joy to behold because Jerry Ryan is a fantastic actor. Yeah. Was it necessary? I think Hugh could have done the stuff that she had done. Yes. Like, well, Hugh be the ball queen. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't mean as always the actor. Who's going, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, just going kind of the badass um, stuff that that yeah it would be a great fire moment for you kind of triumph moment oh for you. yeah and, uh, and and seeing all the borgs being put into space would have been horrible for him I and kind not of... just that maybe that would have been his sacrifice if you're going to kill him off do it that way yeah because that yeah. would have been his heroic moment at the end and I think that would have been a, a, a great sort of last hurrah for yeah. you um, yeah but yeah I don't think Seven needed to do that um i can see why it was done and as i said it's always a joy to see seven of nine on mm. the screen so yeah i kind of think if you as much as i love seeing seven of nine and i love elnor if they they were cut and you essentially cut most of starter city rag and absolute candle out and all this stuff going on the ball cube out the season it'll probably be a bit stronger and condense some stuff make it an eight parter rather than ten parter mm. it may even be a stronger season it's just but it's a joy to have them in it so i kind of forgive it at the same time one thing about broken pieces that um that i'm sorry to say i always find myself if i'm doing other things if i'm on my phone or i'm looking at something on the laptop and i know something hasn't grabbed me up until that point, Star Trek Picard had had my attention on every mm. single episode. Broken Pieces was the first episode I found myself actually doing other things during. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this episode's lost me a bit. Um, yeah. I did watch it a couple more times before I, I got it. And it took me a couple <laughs> a couple of rewatches before I actually realised what was going on in mm. the in the flashbacks when they're talking about what happened in Rios's last mission. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, um, it, it, it struggled to keep my attention a few times. I think fair enough. I mean, I, I like the work they're doing with the characters, but it's almost like, Oh, stop. We haven't done the work on these characters. Let's go back and fill in those character gaps before we get to the finale. So mm. could have been done a bit earlier. Maybe I don't know. I, I know he's triggered by seeing Soji on the ship. So that kind of triggers his depression, but I, I I don't know. I I there are bits I love, and you know, I love the episode for the multiple hologram scene when yeah. Rafi's interrogating them all. But yeah, I, I kind of I kind of agree. I think I think when you go going to it in Arcadia Ego parts one and two, the finale again, there's some lovely lovely stuff as there are in every episode. But there are some issues. I think I don't think really Picard goes above the highs of the Pemphy. It, um, when it comes to those kind of final three episodes, I'm trying to work out. There's a reflection of something behind me, of the curtain in front of me. Okay. And I can't see what the reflection is in front of me. It's bizarre. You see, I don't know if you can Maybe see. Maybe we got it, a so... ghost. <laughs> hey, don't joke about it. This is the bedroom I sleep in. Um, okay. I'm trying to work it out. Are we going to keep this in the podcast? Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, I know why. Mirror image. It's not there. It's there. <laughs> right. That makes more sense. Right. That's a pile of rubbish. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think we should keep it the podcast, though. I think, I think we should keep ghost mode in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, the, or the blooper right at the end. Sorry about that. Yeah. That was... All right. Okay. Um, 
it in Arcade Ego parts one mm. and two then. What are your thoughts on the two-part finale? It's not the best of finales, unfortunately. It, it brings everything to a close. And, and obviously, everything that we've seen happening with, uh, with Darge, with Soji. It was great to see Brent Spiner back. Yeah, and not playing Data, but playing yet another member of the ever increasing Sung family. Surprise! Alton, <laughs> yeah, Alton Sung this time. Alton Inigo Sung, who also yes. happens to be the initials AI. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, yeah. Alton, in, Alton Inigo Sung, who has a rapid change of heart towards the end of the, of the uh, episodes as well. It's good to see Riker again. And in this, mm. in the command seat of a starship, um, but it's. I, I watched it again, and it, it just felt a bit flat. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, it's a bit flat. Mm. I think there's there's some, there's some really good stuff, and anything around Data is generally really good. It's a real fit and set after Data. There's some lovely, beautiful moments with Picard and Data, which ties back to the opening episode. Mm. For me, that's the strongest. Yeah. But then you get things like the cut and paste Romulan Federation fleet. I hate the new Romulan warbirds. Those I love the Derek's warbirds from next gen. I know stuff moves on, but the new ones, and they're all identical. Same with the Starfleet ship. When they turn up the Starfleet ships, they're all identical. I think I don't, I don't think there's any the one class of starship. It just feels like cut and paste Photoshop. And I don't even better than Photoshop, but the effects are great. But it just they just looked the whole fleet thing and then Riker turning up is a, is a lovely joyous moment although they then do it again at the end of Lower Decks of season one yeah which is better which, which is, much, which is which a is better, much better but yeah completely <laughs> yes yeah I don't know there were some bits this is what I, I love the data stuff so I think it's a lovely fit and end you know, jump into the end point of the episode mm. when Picard dies and he has that dream sequence yeah, with that. it's kind of in data's program and data's in the uniform he died in and they're talking at such a lovely scene. And I think yes. that rescues a finale. Mm, yeah. For me. I completely agree. Yeah. And then when he asked to deactivate the program, you get the aging data mm. as uh Isa Brion's actually sings Blue Skies. Oh, the ice beautiful, beautiful stuff. I love all that. I think mean, that stuff with data is great. I had a tear in my eye when I was watching that earlier mm. on. And not just that scene as well, but the moments before where you see Elnor crying his eyes out with Raffi, uh, because obviously we we believe we've just seen Picard dying, and we have just mm. seen Picard dying. Um, yeah, well, he does. He, he dies, yeah. yeah. And What he, do you think of the whole thing about him having been resurrected in a synth body, but it's kind of an aging body at the same time? Um, part of me thinks it's an absolutely genius way of making sure that Picard keeps going because they knew, yeah, he's got a neurological condition and it's a genius way of carrying it on. Part of me is thinking, would Picard want to live on in the body of a robot? I know it's a golem or whatever mm. it is. Um, and he is now effectively something that he respected. He is effectively the same sort of creation that Data was. You know, I completely get that, you know, he'd be happy with it. But I don't know. Something tells me that Q is going to fix that in season two. I think I think you're right. It feels with I think the trouble I had with it is that you signpost in the early episodes, 
he does have this brain abnormation. In the end, it kills him. It's like, it's the most obvious plotting. You know, he's got this disease, and he's going to die, and then he dies. Mm. And it's like, why couldn't it be like, okay, I'm maybe they can help fix it, maybe, but the fact that he then kills him off, and then he, he dies of the things, like... I don't know. It just feels very obvious plotting. It's really like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm, you know, I'm not going to last longer. I'm going to last two more seasons. You know, whatever it's going to be. You know, and then he, then he goes. That wouldn't, you know, knowing this, now he's at the end stage of his life, but he's going to live. You know, it's almost like someone who's who's got cancer mm. and then goes right. I've got six months to live, so I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do everything I wanted to do. Yeah. And it's it. You know, that would be stronger mm. than going. Oh, it's all fixed now. It's almost like if if the final two seasons of Picard were I'm gonna live my I spent fifteen I spent fifteen, twenty years just dying mm. at home. Now I'm going to live in the last six months, one year, two years, whatever I've got left, I'm going to live would be a stronger make, motivation for character. Make every day count. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, oh no, he's got his brain malady, it's been confirmed, and there it is, the end of the season. Mm. I don't know. It's yeah, there is there was some stuff that definitely doesn't work and there's lots of betrayals with soon betraying him and always oh, Duarte betray him no she hasn't and then the obviously the other um simp that looks like soji actually does betray them and it's kind of mm. and then soji betrays him but then she doesn't it kind of there's a lot of stuff that kind of great ideas and lovely moments and i, I love the orchids the orchids are a great design but what do they really do oh, they're the, wonderful yeah they are what does the ball cube do in this finale she brings a ball cube and it sits on the planet and does nothing what does it actually do what was seven's this point of seven and nine rescuing that ball cube and bringing it to picard there isn't anything i don't i can't think i thought well, they were going to be involved the ball cube is going to rise and be in the battle nope nothing happens mm. so again having seven or nine in the story what does it do apart from her have end up on the ship at the end in this relationship with raffi which I'm, all, I'm fine with that you know they all i think seven was always supposed to be a queer character and and they kind of put it to bed didn't they in, in voyager mm. and they established it early in the season so i'm, I'm all fine with that that's good you know what they were meant to do with the character in the first place but that kind of comes out of nowhere as well but it all feels like having seven and elnor there is just to allow them to join the crew be on the crew at the beginning of the season two when q turns up and whatever happens so i don't know there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really f- work and then the stuff with the data that is beautiful mm. so it's it's a it's, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag mm. i've got to be honest when picard started when all the announcements were coming out i was absolutely convinced that patrick stewart was going to be in the first season picard would then have his swan song moments and he would die at the end of the first season and as we were getting up to up to the end of um that second part of the finale when he obviously starts getting the brain aneurysm Mm. problems and the neurological condition you can see him suffering and the moment where he actually dies, I thought, I knew it, this was mm. going to happen. And I thought that Picard seasons two and three were going to be about Picard's legacy yeah. and possibly even renaming the ship Picard. Oh, Sergeant Picard, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because up until that point, obviously that's now changed with Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds, each Star Trek series, with the exception of, the original series and next generation had been named about after the ship. Mm. So I was convinced that they were going to rename La Serena the Picard to keep the honor in place. But obviously they brought him back, which I'm, 
I am overjoyed to see because yeah. same thing as with Seven of Nine and Jerry Ryan. It's always a joy to watch Patrick Stewart act and Picard on the screen. Absolutely. And even though what we've got now is Picard in a different body, it's still Picard, it's still yeah. Sir Patrick. Let's enjoy these next two seasons of Picard. Yeah. And maybe more, but I think they've sort of said that it's going to be three seasons and done. Yeah, it kind of feels like that way. It Maybe you'll spin mm. off into other stuff. I think that's it. You, you've opened up... You've opened up the next next gen universe almost, haven't you? In a way, you've had the next generation universe with next gen DS9 Voyager and kind of lower decks kind of fit at the very end of that as well. And now yeah. you've got it's set in twenty three ninety nine, isn't it? So we're now going to the twenty fifth century. Yes. What is what is the Federation like in the twenty fifth century? What happens to the crew of DS9 and Voyager and the Enterprise and everyone else connected around that? And, and there's, there's so much that can be done. And I'm I kind of hope that this is the gateway to more of those stories in the same way that i hope discovery is a gateway to more 31st yeah. century stories you could why not have a star trek ship set in the 31st century you know but i i don't know that they're, they're, they're the possibilities are boundless but we shall see what happens i have heard an interesting theory as well by the way this is courtesy of alex perry from weekly trek a couple of episodes ago he had this idea about once picard finishes there's been a long running rumor since alex kurtzman first announced his big plan for making star trek uh, and this idea was is that there'd be a starfleet academy series now there's been a starfleet academy mm. series rumored for years but his idea was, well, Picard could become commandant of Starfleet Academy because that was always meant to have been a thing. You've got Dr. Agnes Jurati, who could teach synths and technology. You've got Seven of Nine. You've got Elnor. You've got Cristobal Rios. All of these characters could effectively become teachers at Starfleet Academy to teach a new generation of cadets. Yeah, the the possibilities are endless. So I'm, I'm quite excited to see where things go. I think yeah, I think Picard is a limited three season one, you know. But I think which is fine, you know. At the end of the journey, we've been back Q now, and Guy is going to be in season two and the Borg Queen, and then season three. I think I think if we're going to, I don't think we're going to see any of the other. I don't think we see Riker, Troy, um, Crush, anyone in season two. I think that's not. I think season three is where we're going to see those characters at the end of Picard's journey. But uh, we shall see. Who do you want to see come back then? Not just from next gen, but DS9 Voyager. Who would you like to Ooh, see? Oh, I want. I, I'd love to see Kira. I'd love to see Kira and what's going on with Bajor and DS9. Kira, absolutely, absolutely, because in my mind, Deep Space Nine is still out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I definitely want to see Kira just because I love him, Garrick. If, if that's possible, you know, Bashir and Esri. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I've got to see them. I mean, O'Brien. I mean, I, I, oh, I the DS9. I'd love to see the DS. Some of the DS9. I want to see what's going on with it. Kind of know what happens with Jamie. We know what happens with Seven. We don't really know what happens with the DS9 cast, so you know, I want to, maybe the EMH. See what, what's going on with the EMH now? Uh, that that'd be interesting. Um, where where he is at this point in his life? Are we still gonna get? Is is Harry Kim still an ensign? Uh, I reckon he is. I, I reckon maybe he's like <laughs> Lieutenant Lieutenant Junior Grade. I don't know. <laughs> junior Grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think because we've seen Tom Paris as well, haven't we? So I think into the next gen, yes. next gen crew. You know, I'd like to see. I I would hope to see some of the next gen cast. Crusher definitely in relation with Picard. I definitely want to see Crusher. Pulaski would be great as well. But I don't know if it's going to happen. 
maybe ends in row because we never know what happened to her. Did she die in Dominion War with a Marquee wiped out? Who knows? You know, that'd be that'd be great to see as well. And Rogue could be an interesting one for Picard because of her relationship with Picard as yeah. well. That'd be quite good. I don't know. I mean, particularly with because she went off to the Marquis. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see Picard then dealing with someone who defected to the Marquis coming yeah. back and. Yeah. yeah assuming she didn't, obviously, I'm assuming she wasn't killed in the Dominion Walks. The Marquis was slaughtered. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, mm. yeah, I would, I would like to like to see, yeah, see more Ensign. Ensign Rowe and Crusher, two characters that are quite, like Data, are quite indeed tri- tied to Picard, you know, like Troy, like mm. and Troy. So. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, ideally, all the next generation cast, the main cast, Geordie and Worf, one more time, just be nice. Even if it's like a, a, a you know, a one scene at the very end or something. I, I, I don't know, but it would be, it'd be nice. I think, I know they're not doing it for nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, but maybe in the final episode, I don't, I don't know. Who, who knows? But I'm quite excited to see where it goes at the same time. You know, I'm quite excited to see what Picard season two brings us. So, uh, I'm there for the ride. Yeah. Sealer as well. Oh, yes. We said Sealer, didn't we? Yes. Let's bring Sealer back as well. Yeah. Let's see what happened to the is there. Definitely. Mm. So I think that's the yeah. end of our discussion on Picard Season 1. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Beyond Farpoint. Next time, we've got a pretty special guest on a pretty exciting episode of Beyond Farpoint, haven't we, Jeff? Yes, we have. The stars have aligned and we've got somebody uh, who has actually worked on Star Trek uh, coming on to the show. And not just that, he has written our favourite episode. Wait, the the story for our favourite episode. Yes, sorry. He is behind the story of our favourite episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I met him at a convention back in 1996 in Cardiff. He is actually a really nice guy. He's very approachable on social media. Uh, He's on Facebook. I thought, what the hell, let's ask him. And he said yes. So uh, we will be having Eric Stilwell. Yes, Eric Stilwell, the man man behind the story for yesterday's Enterprise. So yes, very exciting. Also, linking in to today's episode, he was behind the episode Prime Factors or wrote the story for Prime Prime Factors, which is where the Sicarian Gateway came from. There you go. So there we go. There's a Picard (laughs) as well. Fantastic. So yes, next time Eric still will be on to talk about yesterday's Enterprise. Cannot wait for that one. Hope you'll join us. Yeah, same here. So in the meantime, where can we find you online, Jeff, if we want to talk more Star Trek The Next Generation with you? Well, you always find me on Twitter. I am at NCC underscore one seven Formula One. Feel free to talk anything Star Trek with me on there or Sinclair Spectrum or Formula One or music in general. Uh, I'm that sort of open book on there. <laughs> yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at Baz Greenland and on a number of podcasts on the We Made This Podcast Network, including my new Doc 2 podcast, The Tardis Crew, which I host with my son, Ben. Yes, I have been listening to that one myself and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And your son is a very, very knowledgeable Doctor Who fan, I've got to say. Very, very knowledgeable. Absolutely, yes. And of course, if you want to know more about Beyond Farpoint, you can check out our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages by searching Beyond Farpoint. And please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd really love to hear your thoughts. Until then, thanks for listening. Let's see what's out there. Engage.
This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Fluffernutter, an expeditionary force podcast. One of the best parts of the book is when Joe introduces Skippy once they hit orbit. (laughs) (laughs) He changes his skin to, was it, Bud Light? And it says absolutely nothing. <laughs> that, that was that was hysterical. That was absolutely hysterical. And why and why did he choose Bud Light? Oh Joe asked this question, it's just like how does he know so much about Earth culture? Loading Holosuite preview program four, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was gonna go into that fight scene thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, (laughs) which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, Mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like about, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped. And then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.